0: And we just pray as we look into the word of God this morning. Father, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And God, we pray that your word would become spirit and life to us. God, you know every heart, you know every burden, every need represented here this morning. God, and and you're able in, in that special way that only you can to just speak to every heart. Lord, take uh, these words that I would speak. Help me as your servant. Strengthen me. Anoint me to speak as I ought to speak, God. Pray your blessing on the heart and on the message. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning, I want you to open up in uh, your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. How many of you have the, have the hard copy? today. Oh, good, good, good. It's good to have the hard copy. And those of you that have your phones, don't feel under condemnation. I'm glad you have your phones as long as you're just using them to look at the Bible. Amen. Amen. Uh, I've entitled Beginning the Year with Confidence, 2020. And I want to share with you, as we prepare for this new year, you say we're already 12 days into it, but how many of you know there's still 353 days left? Is there a leap year? Is there 29 days this year? So there's 354 this year. You got an extra day. And we need to be prepared. And it's good to have New Year's resolutions. It's good to have a list of goals and of things we want to accomplish. But You know what we really need is a great promise, is a promise from God. Jeremiah 29 11 has to be one of the most well-known promises in the Old Testament. And I want the Holy Spirit, I want the help of God this morning for each one of you, for my life, for your life, that that word would just come alive and, and afresh to you this morning. And that word is this is God speaking for I know the thoughts that I think toward you turn to the person next to you say the you is you for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope to give you a future and a hope how many of you still have a future Amen. And that's a promise that has been written on plaques, on bumper stickers, on uh, carved in wood, painted on artifacts. And it it is a promise that has brought untold inspiration and encouragement to millions throughout the years. The strong confidence that this verse gives is greater than any New Year's resolutions that you could make. It is a promise from God. When God makes a promise, you could take it to the bank. Why? Because Titus 1 2 says that God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says it is impossible for God to lie. Now, here in this passage of scripture, I'm going to jump right into it, Jeremiah 29. This is a word of encouragement to a people who are captive in Babylon. This is around 600 years before Christ. So add that to our, our present date, and it's 2620 years ago or thereabouts. God's people have been taken captive, and they've been removed from from the promised land, from Canaan, and they're brought to a different country and a culture and a people, and Babylon today would be modern-day Iraq, and they're separated from their world. Understand that this was so uh, traumatizing. They're separated spiritually, socially, uh, economically, and Here they are, they're in Babylon, they're in modern-day Iraq, if you will, and understand it's a consequence, listen, it's a consequence of their sin, their rebellion, and their idolatry against God. They have been removed from the promised land because they had broken the commandments of God. How many of you know God still has commandments? God has a top ten list. It's known as the Ten Commandments, and there are other precepts and truths and scriptures and the word of God that instruct us on how we ought to live in this world. And, and who knows better than the God who created us? We think we know better, but God surely knows better. But even, listen, even in the midst of them being in the place of judgment, if you will, God still has something to say to his people. This morning, God still has something to to say to us. And I see in this portion of Scripture from verses 1 all the way down to maybe 13 or 14, I'll I'll read one or two verses as we go along, but there are three truths that are relevant to you and I today, where we live, where we're at, what we're going through. God wants to say to you the same thing He said to His people 2,600-plus years ago. Number one, God says to His people, I am in control of your detours and in your delays. God was saying to his people that I am in control of your delay and your detour. Aren't you glad that God knows your GPS or he is your GPS and he knows your delays and your detours? How do I know that? Look at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all Who were carried away captive, whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now that's interesting because who was responsible for them to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon? Was it the devil? No. Was it the king of Babylon? No. You know who it was? It was God. God was in control of their life. God was in control of their detours and in their delays. And you know what? Sometimes in life it could be very uncomfortable and it could be very painful to be in a place of reaping what we have sown. Now I know that don't sound too encouraging to us, but hang on because it does get better from here. Because God was showing his people, even though they are experiencing the consequences of wrong choices, God says, I'm the one who's in control of the seasons of your life. And I have you where I have you, and I have you still in my plan and in my purpose. God wants you to know this morning he's still in control. Even if you've made some poor choices in life, and let's face it, who hasn't? Turn to the person next to me, say, next to you, say, "Don't look so holy, you've made some bad choices." Come on, some of you are not listening to me. I, I, I could see you. Come on, isn't that the truth? If we're going to be real this morning, we're going to be honest today, we're going to be transparent. we've made some bad choices. But God still says, listen, I have my hand upon you even if there's a delay. How many of you know delay does not mean denial? How many of you know you could be delayed, but God still has the plan and purpose for your life that he's going to bring to pass? And you might even have had a detour. But God says, I'm in control. Now you have have two choices. What do you do when you're in a place of Maybe reaping some of the, the consequences of your bad choices. What do you do? You have two choices. Now, the people of God, they're in Babylon, right? Is that what we said? Turn with me to Psalm 137. I want to show you something that was written. It was a psalm that was written during this very time period. It's pretty cool. I want you to see this. Psalm 137, verse 1. If we can put that up. By the rivers of Babylon, hello, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. Next verse. We hung our harps. Where's the harp? We don't have a harp. We have a guitar. This is hooked up, but I won't hang it on anything but says, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. So what do they do? They put their instrument aside. What does the next verse say? For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Next verse. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. I'll tell you it's what some of us do. When we are in our place of delay, our detours in life, when we maybe are reaping some consequences of poor choices, we we make a decision not to praise God in the midst of it. Oh, let me break it down a little bit more. You had a bad week. You come to church, and you got an attitude, I'm not going to praise God this morning. You're going through something, and, and, and you get a little tood. You know, you get that attitude. You say, well, you know what, I'm not going to. You're, you're doing just what the people did. They, they hung their harps. They said, I'm not going to praise anymore. I'm not going to worship anymore. We get mad at God because of the consequences of our own poor choices. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? Or are you just trying to make it like it's not you? So you have two choices. What are you going to do this morning? Are you going to resent your season? Or are you going to trust God and redeem your season and believe that God's going to turn it around for good and for his glory? See, they said, how can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? Here we are in captivity. Well, that was a wrong choice. That was a wrong perspective. The perspective that we ought to have is, you know what? The psalmist said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him. The Lord takes delight in his way. Someone also made a little, said, a little adjustment there, and they said not only the steps of, the, of a good man, but the stops. Sometimes the stops are of the Lord. Come on, amen? amen. And the Bible tells us in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose. When my wife does some baking, and she could do some good baking, hmm I'm, I'm tasting it right now. It must be the fast. I don't know why I'm talking about food during a fast, but here goes. When my wife bakes, she could get out all the ingredients, ingredients. You could have the flour. You could have the yeast. You could have the eggs, the oil. And you could have all those different ingredients. And if I was to go over and start to taste some flour, it don't taste good. If I was to taste the raw egg, it doesn't taste good unless you're Rocky Balboa and you're getting ready to run 20 miles, get ready for the big fight. It just don't taste good. Why? Because those things have not been worked together yet. They have not been mixed together. You see, in life, we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says they work together. And God has a way of working them together when we trust him. When we surrender to him and when we say, God, I don't particularly like this. I don't, I'm not particularly happy and I don't understand what you're doing. But God, I believe you're mixing it all together. And I trust you in the midst of it that, God, you are going to bring something good out of it. Hallelujah. I am in control, God is saying. I am in control. Number two, God is also saying to his people, to you and I today, I am involved in every area of your life. I'm involved in every area of your life. Look at this passage again, and we're going to get up to verse 11, but look at verses 5 through 7. Build houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat their fruit, Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that you may bear sons and daughters and that you may be increased there and not diminished. Verse 7. Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for in its peace you will have peace. What is God saying? God is saying in 2020, I know where you are at. Hallelujah. I know where you are at. It might be less than ideal circumstances. It might not be everything you want it to be. It might not be the promised land. But you don't have, you might not have exactly what you want, but listen, God was saying to his people, I'm still involved even in that place that you've been carried away. And maybe it's not your, your, your dream or your, your, your promised land, but you know what? I want you to make the best of what you have and where you're at. When we began our church in 1989, it was in a small storefront, a hole in the wall, a nondescript building. Nobody really wanted to come there unless God was drawing them or they really were seeking God. It was not a beautiful facility. But you know what? We grew in that church, in that building, and we had classrooms when, when as we're growing, the, the building was only so big, so we had to have classrooms on two porches, the second floor and the third floor. And it was out, and in, 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 in it was covered, but it was still cold. It was still subject to the uh, elements. And, and, and even the porch was a little tilted. Now, it was safe. We tested it. But, but when you're on your chairs, you slid to one side, and then you had to push back. But what were we doing? We were making the best of where we were at. We were, we were being faithful in where we were at. See, a lot of times we say, God, if you give me that, if you give me this, this dream or if you provide that, God, then I'll serve you, then I'll love you, then I'll, I'll be faithful. But no, 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 God says, be faithful in the little and I'll make you faithful in much. Be faithful in the little that you have and I'll increase what you have and I'll bless what you have. You see, God was saying, I'm going to help you to flourish where I have allowed you to be. Another, one, another saying is, bloom where you're planted. I said, bloom where you're planted. Whether it's your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your church, God's saying, I'm involved in every area of your life. You see, sometimes we separate the spiritual from the secular. But really, in God's eyes, everything is spiritual. Sometimes we just think, well, I'll, I'll make the best of life in church or in ministry. No, God wants you to make the best of it in your home and the best of it in school and at your workplace. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, I have been at places around the world. I've been in some some villages and some real uh, 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 poor, poverty-stricken places, and I've been in some homes of some people that, let me tell you, they make their little hut a castle. Hello, it's clean. It's set in order. They make the best of it. You know what? They're they don't. They're not waiting for more. They're, they're appreciating what they have. And I believe that if we would be like that, God will, will increase us right where we are at. Can you say amen? amen? Look at verse 6, the end of verse 6. What does God say? That you may be increased there and not diminished. Hallelujah. Come on, say it out loud. I'm going to be increased and not diminished. Oh, come on, don't say it. I'll take your blessing. Hallelujah. I'm contending for this. I'm fighting for this. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Going to be increased and not diminished. That's why I'm blessed today. Because I was faithful in where I was at and I I did what I could do. And I saw God give the increase. How many of you want to be increased and not diminished? The lesson is God can cause us to flourish and grow in less than ideal situations he will sustain us he will develop us and we will increase thirdly what is god saying to his people he's saying i will fulfill my plan for your life come on somebody say amen, amen. god is saying to a people that are in captivity that are removed from the promised land their dreams and their hopes have been dashed and god says in verse 10 For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. Hallelujah. God is going to visit your home. God is going to visit this church. God is going to visit your finances. God is going to prosper your life. He said, I will visit you. Hallelujah. We want the tension of God in my life. Hallelujah. And then he would say, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You see, out of this remnant, there would be a group in captivity who would would return to Jerusalem. God was saying that in your place of captivity, in your season of detour, I will bring good out of it. Even when it seems that nothing good could happen. When all seems lost, God is saying, I will perform my good word to you. Amen. How many of you have some promises God has made to you? God wants to stir up those promises in 2020 and say, I haven't forgot. Sometimes we forget. We even forget what God has promised us. But God doesn't forget. Nothing and no one can stop his will from being done in your life. God knows your present circumstance. Turn to the person next to you and say, God knows where you're at. God already knows the new year ahead of you. Amen. He knows. He knows the new year ahead of you. You know, I was reading a book of a, of a, of a new friend that I just was connected with through another pastor, and he's actually going to be coming to preach here in, in uh, the first Sunday in June. He's got a powerful ministry nationally and internationally. And, you know, when the Lord just connects you with people, You know, I want you to pray. I don't seek after things. I just pray and trust God because I believe that God has divine appointments for me. I believe that God has people to connect me with. I don't pull strings, don't play politics. I trust God to make a way for me. Just being faithful and I pray, God, connect me to the people that you want me to be connected with. Amen? And God wants to do the same thing for you, but you've got to pray and you've got to trust him. Amen? And there's no telling what God will do for you in 2020. How many of you believe in for the best year yet? What about the rest of you? There's only another choice. It's the worst year yet. Come on. How many of you believe in for the best year yet? As I was reading my my new friend, his, his book, I came across this quote, and it was so powerful. It said, stop trying to have a better past. I think I got to read that one again. Stop trying to have a better past. Hello? You see, it's not about your past. It's not about your background or your upbringing. It's about your future. It's not about your history. Hallelujah. Come on. It's not about your history. People would say you can't do it, you can't make it where you came from, your family, your upbringing, your mistakes, but it's not about your past, it's about your future. You see, Israel's past, Judah's past was they had rebelled, they had sinned, they had made mistakes just like you and I. And here they are in Babylon suffering the consequences of their sin. But God in his goodness, God in his mercy says, I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. I still have something I'm going to do in your life. Come on, you ought to give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is saying, I'm in control of your detours and your delays. I'm involved in every area of your life. I will fulfill my plan for your life. But the question is, will it just happen? Will it just happen? No. With the promises of God, there are conditions. But you see, even in the conditions, God does all the heavy lifting He carries the load. We just get to participate. We just, by faith, have to do our part. And what is the faith aspect? What is the call to action? What is the challenge that God gives through the prophet Jeremiah? Look at verse, after the great promise in verse 11, look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me. So what do we have to do? We have to pray. Can can you see that? All right, put it up in Mandarin because there's some. Do we have Mandarin? We do have some, ni hao. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. The next verse. And you will seek me and find me. When? When you ser- How do we search? With all our heart. Ah, see, there's where, there's, there's the deal maker or the deal breaker. When you search for God with all your heart. Who would have thought I'd be sweating in July 12th? 65 degrees outside. That's I sweat in July 12th. Who thought I'd sweat in January 12th? <laughs> and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. When you search for me with all of your heart, God said, I'll fulfill my word. I'll answer you. I'll make provision. Does it say with half of your heart? Does it say just on Sunday mornings? And God, if you're really lucky, I'll I'll even be there just five minutes late instead of 20. And if you, and if this is your day, Lord, I might even come to church early. That's not seeking God with all our heart. With all your heart is is your soul and your strength and your whole being. Joel the prophet in chapter 2 said, Turn to the Lord with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping. Rend your heart and not your garments. What was, what was Joel saying? He was saying there, there, were, there were people, religious people, uh, uh, good church people who would make an outward show. Oh, I love the Lord. Rend their hearts and show their grief and show that. And God says, don't do the outward. We want the inward. Because you can do the outward and, and your heart could be far from God. But fasting is one way. Are you, do you have problems? Do you have needs in your life? Do you need to see God take control? Do you need to see God's promises, promises be fulfilled in your life? Then I have a question for you. When's the last time you dock in the door of a prayer meeting? It's getting quiet in here this morning. Come on now. When's the last time you did something that you never did before to show God, I'm desperate, where you pressed in, where you prayed, you fasted, you came to church and you made a consecration and you said, God, I'm going to get a hold of the horns of the altar and I'm not letting go until you bless me. Hallelujah. Do you remember Jacob in the Old Testament? Jacob was a man who was a deceiver. He was a man even as his name indicated, he was a conniver, he was deceitful. Turn to the person next to you, and say he's not talking about me. Uh-oh. Is it I, Lord? Is it I? And, and, and he had a, a challenge. He found out his brother, whom he had deceived, was coming towards him. And he had, had a report from, from, from the recognizance group there, his intelligence, the FBI. And, and, and they found out the CIA that, that, that Esau was coming with 400 men, and they are armed. And Jacob said, uh-oh. You know what he did? The Bible says he went and he sought the Lord. He prayed. And the Bible said that he he wrestled in prayer. Do you know what it is to wrestle in prayer? Struggle with your flesh and and with your weakness and with the needs that you have and and you put your heart and soul into it. And the Bible says he was wrestling with with the angel of the Lord, which was really a manifestation in human form of of the Son of God. And as he's wrestling, the angel of the Lord said, let me go. And you know what Jacob said? "Uh Uh-uh. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't give in, I won't give up until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord blessed him, touched him. His his hip was out of socket. He walked with a limp. It was a reminder all his life of his dependency upon God. And I want to ask you this morning, are you really seeking God with all of your heart? Come on, it's time that we don't play games, but that we get serious and we put our heart and our soul in it come on we can watch football for hours social media for hours binge watch our favorite programs on Netflix and Prime or whatever but but comes to praying and reading the word we can't do it why cuz uh, it takes it takes tenacity cuz the devil will fight against you and you have to have a heart to seek god to bring your flesh under subjection for jesus said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, and we need to take the spirit man, let the spirit man arise and get a hold of God and pray. You know, my wife, she's reading a book about these missionaries in and, 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 and different parts of the world and, and, and different parts of Asia, these pastors that they, they all, all these pastors spend time in prison for their faith. And they have church members who are in prison because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And she read me a quote. She said uh, these pastors, uh, Asian pastors, were talking with one another and, 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 and talking about another pastor. And, and they were saying, who do you trust in, 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 in the ministry? We only trust pastors who have been in prison for their faith. In other words, you know what? Those are, those are the real consecrated people. I want to ask you this morning. Are you really consecrated? Are you really seeking God with all your heart? There's opportunities tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday to consecrate to God. Maybe to, to to shut off the TV. Maybe maybe to ask for the night off. Maybe to rearrange your schedule to say, I'm gonna seek you with all my heart. And God's promises will be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. In closing, in closing, I just wanna I want to share with you just, just the vision. For victory for 220. I want you to be a part of it. If you come here as, as, a, as this is your church, you know, I want it to be your church. I want you to be a part of it. You know, I, I've, been in, I've been in Dunkin' Donuts. I've been in restaurants. People come up to me. Hi, pastor. I say, hello. Do I know you? Yeah, I'm a member of victory. You are? When's the last time you came? Oh, I come every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a great while. <laughs> That's not what God's looking for. For you and me, we ought to be a part of a body. We ought to be a part of a church. 2020 vision. Number one, we will expand our youth room here at Victory. We will triple the size of seating capacity from 35 to over 100 for the youth ministry and for, other, uh, for further growth of outreach and other opportunities this year, by God's grace, the vision is to expand that youth room. It's going to take three to four hundred thousand dollars. The good news is we have over a hundred and forty something thousand, I believe. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't clap too hard because we still have to raise another two hundred thousand. Amen. But God is able. God is able. Amen. And 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 please pray, because it's not just raising the funds, it's dealing with architects, dealing with building permits, dealing with contractors, there's a lot of responsibility. I need you to pray for me and with me, and I need you to believe God and also do your part. Continue to be faithful in your giving, and we will see that vision come to pass in Jesus' name. Number two, I'm believing in 2020 vision that we will have breakthrough prayer. I want us to begin to emphasize what we're going to do on on one one Wednesday night, uh, a quarter. We are going to raise the level of our faith and our expectancy. We're going to set aside a Wednesday night, a quarter, bring all our life groups together, stay in the main room, this main sanctuary, bring in the youth, and we are going to believe for a powerful time of prayer. We are going to believe. Come on, give the Lord a clap of praise. For us to have breakthrough prayer, everybody has to do their part. We all need to be prayer warriors. You know, uh, when a friend of mine told me that they had traveled to Argentina to witness the Argentine revival where miracles and, 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 and people were being delivered from demon possession and, and, and millions were really being impacted in that country. And, and when, when they went, they wanted to know what was the secret. You know, we all want a formula. How do you do this? But you know what? They were brought to a a large tent where there were people praying and interceding for hours. People praying and interceding for hours. Another famous preacher, uh, uh, D.L. Moody, he would have these large crusades in the 1800s. He would have thousands of people before there was even such a thing as megachurches. And he would be be preaching, and and under the platform, he'd have people. uh, The platform would be about 10 feet high. He'd have people praying underneath there. While he was preaching. And every once in a while when he felt like there was a, a struggle in the atmosphere and things weren't flowing and people weren't being responsive. He, was, he would stomp on the floor to wake up the prayer warriors. I want to wake up the prayer warriors in this church. I want to wake up people who will get a hold of God. Who will intercede and see the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sunday mornings, we have prayer, and many times I'm there just with a handful of people. Wednesday nights at 6.30, we have prayer, and again, it's just a handful of people. I believe there needs to be a groundswell of people who seek God with all their hearts. Can you say amen? Amen. Number three, I want to grow our life groups to an average attendance of over 100 on a weekly basis. We presently have nine different life groups with various topics ranging from the books of the Bible to finances to healthy eating to breaking addictions, something for everyone. And I I want us to to, to really believe God because I believe that this will help facilitate spiritual growth and healthy relationships. Uh, We have over 100 signed up, but how many of you know just because you signed up didn't mean you came? And uh, uh, we have over 100 signed up, but only 80-something were in attendance this past Wednesday. I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a life group, get, in fo- get involved and become a part of the life of the church here at Victory. Number four, I want to begin Bible classes to further equip and train followers of Christ to be ministers and leaders for Christ in the school, the marketplace, and in the church. I want to do some in-depth Bible training giving uh, lessons and and, and teachings and and, and coursework that will really enrich you and further equip you to be effective. It's not enough just to serve God. We need to be effective in our service. Can you say amen? Amen. And fifthly and lastly, I want to begin to take trips to Israel on a more regular basis. I want to lead the church on on trips to Israel that will be a time of, of... of touring, I I made an acronym or an acrostic. I'm not sure which one, but for Israel, T, Israel trip, T would be for touring. We will be able to walk where Jesus walked. It is awesome. It will encourage and strengthen your faith to see in time and space where God worked and what we have in our Bible is real. R is refreshing. We will have a time to also be refreshed and relax and enjoy the good land that God has blessed Israel with. I, intercession, we will pray for the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us pray for the peace of Jerusalem and those that love you will prosper. We need to pray for Israel. It is where God began his work. And you know what? The Bible tells us it will all end in that small piece of land in the Middle East. But we want to intercede. We want to pray for Israel. And P is for partnering. I have friends in churches in Israel that we can partner with and do ministry. And we have set uh, tentative dates for November 8th to the 19th of 2020 to go on a different kind of trip. To be able to do touring, to be refreshed, to pray, and to partner with other churches. And I want you to be a part of it. Would you stand together with me this morning? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we seek God with all of our hearts? Sometimes our heart is divided. Sometimes our heart is hard. Sometimes our heart is distracted. But the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit. I'm going to ask the singers, the musicians, if they would come back to the platform. I want to ask us to close this, this time with, with a, uh, just a, an indication or a, making a statement to God and saying, God, I want to seek you with all my heart. God, forgive me for uh, being divided. Forgive me for being distracted. But God, today for 2020, I want to see your plan and purpose Fulfill for my life, and I want to seek you with all my heart. Help me, Jesus. Let that be your prayer this morning, and as we close, that God would give us the vision, fulfill the vision that he has for our lives and for this church. I want to encourage you, if you haven't prayed, you can do one day, you can do a meal, you can do something for God. Think of all that God has done for you. Come on, think about all that God has done for you. Can't we miss a meal? Can't we miss a day of eating? Can't we say thank you to God and show God our heart? This morning, I want to close, and and you could leave. If you do leave, please do so quietly. Let's just keep an atmosphere of praise and prayer and worship. But I want us to sing that song, The More I Seek You. And I want you to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, I don't fully understand that Holy Spirit I want more of that Holy Spirit I need you to help me to seek because when we seek him we'll find him when we find him we'll love him even more and we'll have the presence of God in our life that there's nothing that compares with it so in Jesus name I invite you to these altars to pray to kneel at your seat if you have to leave please do so quietly ushers if you can keep those back doors closed God bless you God bless you